Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good afternoon, everybody. I hope everybody's having a good Wednesday so far. It's nice to be on early. Man, my last two days have been very interesting indeed. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the uh, California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California, where it's very hot. We're 45 strong up and down the state, which means that we can get to you, but it might take us a couple days. All right. This California, what a lot of people don't realize, California has a little bit of everything. So we've got the ocean, of course, which everybody thinks about the beaches. But we've also got a lot of farmland. We've got a lot of uh, desert, got a lot of mountains, all that stuff. So a lot of open space, a lot of rural areas. So that when I say, you know, um, we can we can get to you in most cases by the next day. Sometimes it takes us a couple of days to get out to help you. But, 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 but don't despair. We do have mediums on staff that can phone you ahead of time and talk to you about what might what may, may or not be going on in the home. And in that case, if there is something, if they feel there is something going on, they can settle it down until we can get out there. It usually doesn't take us more than two or three days to get out to a location. All right. That's the start of the show. I got a story to share with you guys that I believe, you know, in hindsight, after, after having gone through it and sitting, and sitting around thinking about it last night because I worked on it, divine intervention from my father. And it was interesting to see how it all played out last night. When I finished the show, I had to do some shopping. So... I worked on some uh, some reels for TikTok and uh, decided to go to Walmart, the friendly neighborhood Walmart store, uh, the supermarket store. And so I got my car, started to drive over there. I've done that trip dozens of times during the day and at night. Last night, for some reason, I got totally lost, didn't know where I was at. Realized I was down about seven blocks away from where I was supposed to turn. Had to cut over. On a, another long street on the on the I'll say one avenue, which is the main main thing, and then had to double back and back to the store. Got my shopping done, got in the car, came home. I even thought like just before I turned the corner to get my to, to go to my driveway, I thought well maybe I should go get some gas. And then I thought no, so I got to turn get going to my driveway, and there's there's about four guys standing out in front of my house with flashlights, and I'm going well what the heck is this, and. Oh, good. Yeah, I can see. I can see the internet's doing this, doing this two-step today. Lots of people online. Just ignore it as much as you can. Anyway, um, so I go up in my driveway, park my car, and this guy comes around. He says, uh, did you see anything? And I said, see what? He goes, well, there was a hit and run about 10 minutes ago. And I said, really? And because where I left, there was this white car parked in front of my house. And the way my walkway is designed, when you walk down the walkway, you can see everything in the gutter. So I get out of my car and I'm looking around and there's this there's this there's this uh, this fairly fairly large red bumper sitting at the end of my driveway in front of this white car, and it obviously was involved in the accident and whoever had it tore it off and took the place off of it so nobody could see it was them. And I go and I'm talking to these guys about this and I said, well, when did this happen? And they said, well, just recently, within the last five ten minutes. So I took pictures of the car and all that. And we were trying to find the owners because I knew it was one of the neighbors, but nobody was answering. So I finally went in the house, and that's when I got to thinking about this. 
all that. And I've been doing this for a couple of years, going to the same store, usually, usually at night, you know, because that's, that's when I work. And I've never gotten confused or lost going out to the store before. And when I think about it, had I been that five or ten minutes earlier into my driveway, I might have got hit too. So it was definitely coming from my dad. Definitely. That's my dad's style of things. Plus, there's been weird things happening. You know, we started reading that that Omnipresent by Lynn Monet, and she puts a uh, disclaimer in the front that before you even read this book, she's heard cases from people that have had activity, you know, after reading this book. And so I thought I had everything grounded here, but it's just weird because I've got weird things going on. And so I honestly believe it, it, it's from the book because I can tell this house is haunted anyway, but I can tell when they're, they're not ghosts that, that belong here, that it's something different. So I've got something different going on. In fact, when I was getting ready for the show today, my alarm, I, I have a digital clock over here, high EMF, I know. And I thought I was way behind, like 20 minutes behind schedule. So I'm trying to hurry everything up. Come, come to find out the clock's 20 minutes ahead. And there's no reason for it to be 20 minutes ahead. You know, as you guys know, if you unplug these clocks, they've got a backup battery. They'll stay on that time forever or they start blinking, right? So I have no explanation for it. So I'm going to have to do some cleansing later on today. Okay, getting back to the show. If you're watching from Facebook today and you enjoy what you see and you haven't done so already, feel free to hit that follow button. And remember, I'm looking for happy faces and all that good stuff and thumbs up and comments. Please feel free to comment during the show because that puts me up higher in the um, in that band hierarchy where they'll, they'll distribute the show to even more places. Okay. You guys have been doing really good with that. So let's keep that up. We're back on YouTube after a, after a seven day stint in jail. I heard the applause. Thank you. And so if you're watching from YouTube, the same thing goes for YouTube as it goes for Facebook in that the more thumbs up you give me, the, the more clicks, the more smiles and all that, the higher in, in that thing we go. I forget what, my mind's like, I'm tired. My mind's like chill. And it puts us, it puts us out there to more people. So yeah, let's keep that up. And also, if you haven't subscribed to YouTube, our YouTube channel, please do. I've got 672 videos sitting over there and they're all on different paranormal topics. In fact, some aren't paranormal topics. I'm a journalist, photojournalist. So I'd like to change it up. So sometimes I might be talking about spousal abuse or, 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 or maybe a, a, a boat sinking in one of the great lakes, you know, things like that. I like to change it up. So check it out. I categorized a lot of the stuff that's over on YouTube. You make it easier to find. Otherwise, it's a big jumble of, of stuff. You know, you, I mean, if you, you want to look for something with Nancy Matz, find the Nancy Matz file. Want to learn for look at demonic stuff, find the demonic file stuff, etc., etc., etc. Down live. So anyway, I'm done with that. I will be teaching a psychic development class on August 5th at 7 p.m. Pacific. You can you get a hold of that at the meetup meetup.com and uh, sign up over there at California House Meetup. Also, I am going to be doing morning meditations and I'm putting together like a club for that. Of course, there's a, there's a small fee. And it's, it's like a monthly thing. So every day we can, you know, the people that sign up can sit down and enjoy meditation or if they work or whatever, they can come home, click on it and meditate. So I'm going to teach them how to meditate, different meditation techniques. Okay. You know, for health and all that. So, that's something I'm going to be setting up today, and, you, and you'll be able to do that after 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific over on the California Haunts meetup site. Okay, now, current business, my guest tonight. My guest tonight is a world-renowned sensitive, healer, psychic, whatever you want to call it. Her name is Lisa Campion. 
I've, I've, I've heard her on other shows, plus seen her in other places. So I'm real excited to have her. And I really want to talk about energy vampires because there's a lot of those out there. Trust me. I have friends that are, I, you know, I'm not going to say it. People I know. Okay. So Grogu's here. We're ready to go. I, I got the force behind me. So without further ado, let me bring Lisa in and we'll get this show on the road. Oh, yeah. And you'll hear my old dog. He's 16, the one that's usually in here when I do the shows. He's being very vocal today. He's senile and he forgets where he's at, so he, he raises heck. So you're going to hear him in the other room. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm out of breath now, but I'm good. <laughs> That's nice. Thank you so much for having me on your show. This is cool. I'm so, I'm so excited. So tell me about you. Um, well, I started my life as a psychic. I was one of those I'd see dead people, kids. Yeah. And uh, that was pretty much of a challenge for me. I was born in the 60s. So I was growing up in the 60s, 70s and 80s. And back then, it wasn't really cool to be a psychic. You know, right. it was a problem. And I was just trying to pretend to be normal in public and trying to figure out what was going on around me, like what was happening here. Actually, it sparked in me a really deep love for paranormal movies and um and ghost movies like i i got my early education by watching movies like poltergeist um and and then i started working as a psychic when i was 19 years old i've really never done anything else except be, work in this world uh, i've been an energy healer for 25 years mm -hmm. and um a counselor too so um these days i feel like my work is about training psychics healers and empaths to fully step into their gifts because i think the world needs all the healers it can get Mm -hmm. And I love people. I love to help people figure out how to do it in a more graceful way than I did because I made every mistake in the book there. Back then there were no books in the library, no podcasts like this, no information that I could have, you know, can find around, um, you know, what being a sensitive was all about, what being an empath was, how, what was happening for me psychically. Uh, I don't know. It was rough. So I'm, I'm really dedicated to helping people do it. Um, do it the easy way. I did it the hard way. Um, and and I love helping people who are opening up. So many people are going through psychic openings right now and need help. Mm -hmm. I can understand that. I went through the same thing you did. I grew up, you know, mm -hmm. I was born with abilities and my family yeah. dismissed it, saying I had a real vivid imagination. But I remember yeah. back when I first started ghost hunting 19 years ago, even though my house was always active because I saw it. I remember mm -hmm. the stigma that was attached to to, to mediums and psychics and also ghost hunting teams same yeah. kind of stigma and it's so it's so it's so nice now because these tv shows have opened that up but i remember mm -hmm. um things were just starting to turn around you know for a while there when i first because before we used to film another team so we were a tv show first and then when i started to take my own build my own team this the stigmata was starting to change you know where people took yeah. this seriously but i remember i'm not going to say what show it is but a certain show came out where the guys were jumping out windows and stuff because they were scared. And my first thought was, oh my God, we're going, we're, you know, we're going to get a step back here because of these guys. Yeah. You know, so I, I was know. really afraid of that. But it has, you're right. Yeah, it has opened up a lot. And I'm self taught as well. I, you know, when I started realizing that, because, you know, you, you have this stuff when you're little, and then at some point in your life, you push it aside because you've got other things going on. You're, you're a teenager, you know, you got, and then suddenly you realize at a certain age that, oh my God. I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I have these abilities, and so I didn't know how to handle it. So the only only way I was able to handle it, like you say, there were no books. Was Sylvia Brown was on Montel, yeah. And I remember why I would watch her because she made she made me feel good about it because it scared yeah. me. Yeah, I know, and it is scary. And I think a lot of us, 
you know, have difficult experiences, scary experiences. When I was a kid, I grew up in a super haunted house. And I honestly think it was haunted because I lived there, <laughs> you know, like, like psychic children, especially yeah. kids with mediumship ability were like ghost magnets, you know? Mm -hmm. So I used to call them the great people. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and the other great, the great people were standing around my bed and talking to me. And I, I knew that if I talked to them and listened to them and communicated, even though I was so little, I was like eight years old that they mm -hmm. felt better, you know? Right. And right. I would have my sort of my nightly conversations with the great people. And then, then I saw the movie poltergeist. I snuck into the movie theater. I was probably 12 and there's this professional psychic and I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, that's the thing you can, you can do that. I'm going to be that. Like, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, fortunately for me, like my parents were hippies and they took mm -hmm. me to transcendental meditation when I was 10. Cause that's when you did when you were hippie in 1974. I was really into martial arts. I wanted to be a Jedi Knight. I was a Star Wars fanatic and I wanted to be a Jedi. The only way I could figure out to be a Jedi Knight was to study martial arts. And it helped me a lot in understanding boundaries and, and energy. And then the, it was the eighties and the new age it was the dawn of the new age. And then there were teachers. There was, you know, I started really training, um, getting teachers. And that's when I started working as a psychic too. But I did house clearings for years back in the late nineties and early two thousands had no idea what I was doing. Somebody was like, can you come over and look at my house? And I was like, sure. You know, um, definitely like I went, I made every, I went alone. I had no idea. It was terrible. And I, I, Gosh, that I made so many mistakes to the point where I really got into trouble. Like I, I had things follow me home. I had something really nasty follow me home and, and sort of torment my children, actually. And I was very, very sick for quite a while until they figured out really how to do it. And that was before there was paranormal shows on TV. Right, right, so. right. But, you know, that, like I said, I made every mistake in the book. And um, and now I know a lot about psychic self-defense. It's sort of one of my specialties. I always teach psychic self-defense and psychic development together because I feel like awesome. as we open, we need higher and higher levels of psychic self-defense so we can be protected. Okay. We can have good boundaries mm -hmm. and, and all that. Oh, absolutely. I understand your story completely. It sounds very, very, very familiar, you know, with mine. So. Yeah become padres there um let's talk about energy vampires a little bit because people don't realize you know, i i always say that my, my family looks at me like i'm crazy and i said you know i was at the mall today and somebody sucked the blood right out for me you know and they look at me mm -hmm. like i'm crazy what is an energy it, 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 what is an energy vampire um energy vampires are people that don't know how to source their own energy, how to sort of fill themselves energetically. So they learn how to provide energy, life force energy for themselves by latching on to other people and, 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 and sort of draining them, you know, like some people are energy givers, some people are givers and some people are takers, right? Some people are energy givers and some people are energy takers. And many of them, there's a couple of different types of energy vampires. Some of them are really, really, really quite dangerous and really understand or they're re they really know what they're doing. Others are people that have no idea. And if you told them they were an energy vampire, they'd be like shocked and horrified. Mm -hmm. um, and us sensitive people are really susceptible. We're like a nice tasty snack for them. Um, and sometimes it's even us sensitive people that are the guilty of being energy vampires. So I think energy vampire of being an energy vampire is a process anyone can fall into. We can, you can go have a hard time in your life, um, mm -hmm. go through some tragedy or fall on hard times and end up 
temporarily being an energy vampire. So sure. we just need to know about it so that we don't do that. And, and we need to learn how to spot the really dangerous types um, kind of in advance so that we, you know, we can recognize them and not um, they, they really can be quite dangerous and bad, you know, to, to really take a bite out of you. Let me ask you something yeah. about attachments. You know, when, when you end up with an attachment, is that kind of like an energy vampire? Because are, are they attaching because because they're trying to like feel your energy or do, yeah. they, do they have other reasons? You know, yeah, I think we can divide energy vampires into two categories. Human living people, which is most of the time, that's what you're getting. And mm -hmm. non-human spirits, like entities, we call them really, you know, um, non like spirit guides are the beneficial non-physical beings that are here to help us. Entities are are spirits that don't have our best interests at heart and Ooh. most of them are parasitic in nature you know um and if you if you engage in some unsafe psychic practices you can open the door like ouija board for example mm -hmm. you might um open the door to the astral realm which is where most of these parasitic the lower astral realm where most of these parasitic attachments come from and they can they're like a tick on your dog you know or mosquito that they're, they're not the Lower level ones are can be quite intelligent and dangerous. A lot of them are not like like a tick or a leech. They're not really um, very smart, but they are. We don't want them because they do drain our life force energy. Absolutely, and like people yeah. who don't, people who don't or who aren't psychic, they don't realize that drain that the psychics go through. Because I know yeah. I used to jokingly call it getting goose by a ghost. Because the minute yeah. I, the minute my stomach would flip, I knew it. I was going to be down for two days. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and stuck dead people can fall into that category too. And you know, ghosts—they're really just people who are in a bad situation. They're they're not they're in trouble. They're lost. They're stuck. They need help. They're desperate. If you think about like a drowning person, right? You know, drowning. If you get too close to a drowning person, they'll like they'll take you down, right? And a lot of times when we're dealing with um, with the stuck dead people, that's what happens. And us empath types and sensitives can be quite um, vulnerable to them. We can have a vulnerability or sense, you know, like a susceptibility. They want to be around us because we're psychic, because maybe we see or sense them, because we have the soul of a healer and we and they know or think we can help them. So we have, and I find that it's not true for all stuck dead people, but there are certain, the really desperate ones, the really ones who are really in trouble can really like latch on to you and um and and cause a lot of problems that way well going back to your reference of growing up and watching poltergeist that's a perfect example because because they were latching mm -hmm. on to carol ann because of her energy because yeah. they, they right. liked her energy yeah. yeah 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 really pure spirits those empath types you know mm -hmm. um the really pure spirits are often very vulnerable to these to these beings whether they're stuck dead people non-human entities or living people you mm -hmm. know energy vampires um, we because we don't have very good boundaries as empaths because we're so sweet natured and sensitive, you know, because we're we have the soul of a healer, all those things kind of combine together to make us that like tasty little snack that um, that someone and you know, if you're a sensitive or an empath, you know, you, you're shopping in, in the middle of the supermarket and somebody's going to come up to you and tell you their life story. Why? Because they feel they can feel the sensitive, compassionate mm -hmm. nature of our hearts. They're like, that person's going to help me. It's like an unconscious thing. They People can just feel that about us. So we need to learn really good energy management um, protection and psychic protection so we can go out and about in public and not have every needy, you know, depressed person within a, or every stuck ghost within a five mile radius come like latch onto us. Right. 
Right. Now that brings me back to my back to my question that I was going to ask. Can you tell? I mean, just by by talking to somebody that that, that they're an energy vampire, or does it just go to the point where once you talk to them and they leave, and suddenly you realize I'm tired. These people are trying to suck my you know, suck it out of me. I think sometimes we feel it right away. If you you're going to feel, you may feel really uncomfortable. You may have a desire to cross your arms over your chest, and mm-hmm. it's through this solar plexus chakra that you know where a lot of times they hook into us. So mm-hmm. we we get uncomfortable. And we we instinctively fold our arms over that part of us, mm-hmm. um, and that's sort of a sign. If you're doing that, that's a sign that maybe you're getting drained. If you're getting like a l- low back of the neck sort of occipital headache, that's a sign that you might be getting drained. Um, if, if you just feel like, I mean, I've been in a situation where somebody was talking and I just like literally felt like lying down on the floor and taking a nap right, right where I was. That's not good. You know, if you're dream about them, like after the encounter's over that there's some sort of maybe psychic stalking going on, you know? Um, and so sometimes we can feel it in the moment. You know, if you have a sense of dread, that's, you know, that person's going to come around and you're like, Oh no, not that person, you know? Um, that is also not a good sign. That's a sign that that person is potentially draining you. So I think we can feel it in the moment, and sometimes we don't feel it until afterwards. Now, are there more in, 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 are there more energy vampires than anything else out there, or are there other ways that your your stuff can get drained? You know, I think there are a lot. Um, I don't think it's everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> certainly, you know, like I don't know. There's some kind of per- I've never been able to put a percentage to it. I think mm-hmm. most people are not. You know what I mean? They're um, just maybe there's like ten to twenty percent of the world are energy vampires. Ten to twenty percent of the world are super sensitive empath types, and mm-hmm. they they seems to me like we're opposite ends of the same polarity. You know, and so if you're a sensitive. Um, an empath, you may really attract uh, your an un, un, um, abnormal amount of energy vampires. The more sensitive you are, the more likely you, you are to have them. And the really predatory type, um, we, we can also just swap out the word narcissist. There's been a lot, in, or psychopath, right? There's been a lot of talk lately about nar- narcissistic people, psychopathic people. Um, and they are the predatory type energy vampires that are very dangerous. And they will sort of consciously search for a person who they consider like a, a, a you know, an energy supply, right? So we're like a battery for them and they will love bomb you. They will, um, and they're very psychic too. So they use their incredible psychic senses to figure out what you want, who you are. And then they sort of morph. They're very shapeshifty. They're like con artists basically. Um, and so they become the person that you need or want and they love bomb they set the hook they get you hooked and then once you're connected to them you're in a relationship with them you're married to them they start to drain you and um they might it might be your your life force energy your time your attention your money the food in your fridge the gas in your car whatever you have is becomes their supply there and they don't feel really any remorse this is like you know like where, where we sort of cross the line from narcissism into the psychopath territory. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't feel remorse. They're just, um, if they feel like it's their right. And you're, if you falling for their tricks, it's because you're stupid. You know, it's, it's your fault for being dumb enough to fall for their tricks. They don't, it doesn't pay to go to couples therapy or counseling with them. They're, they have no interest in and changing. And as soon as you set boundaries and say no, they will drop you like a hot potato and go without remorse and go find somebody else who is is 
going to, you know, I'll let them. There's always another person who's going to, you know, and it doesn't have to be a partner. It can be your boss. It can be somebody you work with. It can be a friend. It can be a, one of your children or one of your parents. It's, it's not always in a romantic partnership that this happens. Um, it can be any type of relationship. And we just, you know, it can be really, really damaging, especially if you spend a lot of time with that person. You're married to that person for 20 years or for 20 years, they're your boss or your mother-in-law or whoever, you know. Um, they really can do a job on us. Most people who come out of those relationships have a PTSD and they, you know, we they really do a, you know, a number on us and we need to um, spend some time healing after we've been in a, in a hit and run um, encounter with a energy vampire like that. Now, like to go shopping and maybe at the shopping mall or whatever, is there any way to prepare yourself for that so that, the, so that they don't latch on? Yeah, for sure. Um, and you're not, you're not really likely to come into contact if you're just casually out, you know, mm -hmm. um, you might, it, um, you're more likely to run into, um, you know, uh, one of the, an entity or somebody who's like, could be like the person that you're dealing with in the checkout line or mm -hmm. even just being in an environment like that can be very draining to some people who are sensitive so all the sensory stimulation all the lights and noise of people and chaos and residual energy and all just this where where there's a lot of people humaning there's psychic static that sensitive people are very prone to so sometimes we're just drained by the pr presence of all that chaos and if you're very sensitive than um, going, doing some energy management basics, learning how to ground yourself. I go through like a few steps of, of grounding myself, getting in my body, clearing the energy that I picked up. I use a breathing and meditation um, visualization practice. So releasing energy that I picked up from other people and, and setting my shields on full, you know what I mean? Like really um, creating a strong boundary. And this is my, my, um, story about this is like Costco, those big box stores, Costco, Walmart are extremely difficult for us sensitive people. And I sit in my car before I go into Costco and I bubble up, I get inside my energy bubble, I get really grounded, I have my list with me. You know, sometimes I wear an EMF shield because the EMF, EMF um, places like that are kind of um, like there's a lot of toxic EMF radiation going on in a place like that and if i don't do that i get into the back of costco like 20 minutes into costco and i'm like i i'm like ready to lie down on the floor and cry i can't remember my name i can't remember where i parked my car i can't remember what i came in there for i'm like just get me out of here right and i i think lots of sensitive people have had that experience so definitely before you're going someplace before you get on an airplane before you get go to the movie theater before you go to costco or walmart um, we need to learn, we need to, before you deal with a person you know is an energy vampire, because we can't always get away from them, right? We we can practice these energy management, some psychic self-defense and energy management practices that make being in the world tolerable and possible, actually. Now, for someone that is involved in, with an energy vampire or some kind of attachment, is there a simple way to get, to get them off of you or, or is it a complicated process? Sort of depends, you know, if it's somebody you've been married to for 20 years, you have you have a, you have an issue that's going to take some time. You know, if it's just sort of a energy vampire hit and run, like, you you know, you talk to them for an hour or you met them at a party or, you know, it's, it's easier. Right. So we want to do like cord clearing is something that we they tend to connect. They drain us by actually connecting these energetic cords. Psychics can see them energy practitioners feel them and see sense these cords that go between us 
And so we wanted like a daily practice of clearing cords. And you maybe you ask Archangel Michael, he loves to work on that, to bring his big sword and clear any cords, you know, between you and other people. You can take a big crystal and, and do it. You can use your breath to do it. Running water re works really well. So standing under the shower and, and um, asking Archangel Michael to clear any cords, I feel them often in my heart and in my solar plexus, in my navel. Um, area like and I feel like tugging pulling there if I've been around somebody um, and so we need to do these things on a daily basis you can learn how to do them you can probably find YouTube videos about how to clear quartz um, mm -hmm. and you can find energy medicine practitioners like Reiki practitioners who will do it for you and it's really much easier if you had like a quick interaction with somebody they come really easily obviously if that energy cord is with your mother or with your kid or with your 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 spouse it's going to take longer because those relationships are just stickier and you know the longer we're in relationship with somebody and the more dysfunctional the relationship is the more difficult it is to clear those cords now people that are energy vampires do they realize that that, that, they're, that they're doing this or no you know i would say most of the time they don't sometimes they do you know and when i wrote my book energy healing for empaths um, I was really shocked by how many people wrote me and emailed me and said, I know I'm an energy vampire and I want to stop. Shocked. I had no idea. Um, I was like, oh, they don't, they really don't know. Um, and I, I think people who like recognize themselves as being narcissists are often okay. that case. You know, they're sort of lacking empathy for other people there there's kind of an entitlement like well you're gonna you're gonna serve me you're gonna give to me like i don't have to give to you like th that's the root of narcissism right and and i heard from so many people are like yeah i'm a narcissist i don't really like it i know i don't want to be that way how do i stop you know and so we i thought that was great i i was surprised and then there are a lot of people who have no idea that um some people don't the predatory ones the psychopathic ones they don't care they, whether they know, they're like, whatever, this is the way I roll. And if you're stupid enough to fall prey to me, well, that's on you. You know what I mean? There, right. they, th and then sometimes a lot of them, there's a kind of, that's called the victim energy vampire. Um, they often don't know. And those are people that really have used whatever. And we've all had things happen to us. We've all been victimized in some way. I really, we just, life is hard, right? And But some people like, rise above whatever happened and kind of like you know what what whatever what doesn't kill you makes you stronger right there's some right, people that right. go that way other people really like um learn to use whatever happened to them as sort of currency it's kind of like food like well you have to accommodate me i can't do this uh, on my own you need to help me and uh, those victim energy vampires they can be so draining they're they're really likely you're really likely to feel very resentful of them if you have them in your life people who can't seem to take care of themselves and require you to do it um for them um and oftentimes it's like our family someone in our families like that or we get kind of roped into that they often don't know and they would be they're the ones that would be horrified and the other ones are the are the sensitive and empaths so like how do vampires get made right a big Bad vampire finds a little sensitive person, sucks the life out of them until they're drained, and then that person becomes a vampire. And it happens between um, narcissists and empaths all the time. So if you're an empath and a sensitive and you let yourself get drained and drained and drained and drained and drained and drained, and drained mm -hmm. you might be now an energy vampire. And oftentimes it's the people who are like throwing shade at every, at every, at every, at every 
energy, all the energy vampires of the world have no idea that they are actually also energy vampires. So if you're a sensitive um, and you need to be really mindful of your own um, managing your own energy so you don't fall into the trap of becoming an energy vampire yourself. Ooh. I was just saying so that people are so horrified. You're like, ah, you know, don't tell me I'm an energy vampire. Oh my God. Absolutely. I was just thinking, as you were saying this, you know, people that are sensitive, you know, we're all sensitive when we're born. So it kind of, yeah. it kind of gets pushed down. So what about people that don't realize they're sensitive and, 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 and they think they might be running into somebody like this? You know, I, I'm so glad that there are podcasts like this and books like, you know, that I wrote and the podcasts that you have and the classes you teach and everything, because so many more people are waking up to the idea that they're sensitive. Mm -hmm. And as we get this material out there, people know that they are, then we can make some decisions about what we want to do about it. I always encourage people to own it, you know, really like get like own it, say, know that you are, say that you are, and then do something about it. Get some help, get some training, get some the, mo the most vulnerable people are people with a lot of psychic ability and no training. Mm -hmm. The more psychic ability you have naturally, the more you need to train it, the more skills you need. The and the same thing with sensitives. The, mo the more empathic you are, the more you need to own that you are, understand that you are, and get some help, learn some things about it so that you can understand that your sensitivity is really your superpower. Does mm -hmm. it feel that way until we we get some training and then it does. Now you mentioned you do second development class. So do I level one. How important is it for people to understand how to open that psychic door and close it? So important. It's so important. Um, and, you know, especially if you have mediumship abilities, you know, and you're, you're, you're prone to talking to dead people and that that's only one of many psychic skills. Um, as a psychic, I'm sort of a generalist, you know what I mean? Like I do a lot of things. I'm really like a soul reader. So I, I learn how I read people on the level of the soul. We, we talk about past lives. We talk about your life purpose. We talk about who your guides are, <clears throat> where you're going in your journey. And, and, and if you're a medium, like, you know, um, you specialize in mediumship. It's so critical to learn how to close the door, but really any psychic needs to do that. And I think all psychics need some functional, mediumship we all need to learn mediumship if i ever want to get a good night's sleep at an airbnb i need i'm going to do some mediumship you know yeah, sure, um sure. and and so we need to do that and that's why things like ouija boards and some sort of this spiritual practice even some ghost busting practices can be really difficult if you don't know how to like if you're doing a ton of evps or you're doing some provocation or you're you know you're you're doing like trigger object sessions if you're not closing the door behind you um then um you know, you can make it worse. You can right. like take what was a little problem and make it a big problem. And I see this a lot in um, places that do like paranormal tourism. Like mm -hmm. that place wasn't so haunted, but now it's really haunted because 8 million people have gone through there and opened the portal more and more and more, opened the door more and more and more. Now there's a really big problem there. So I don't think it has to go down that way, but if we're not mindful about it, it can um, I agree with you 100% with this because I, I've seen it with what I call budding psychics, the people that, that do that, that think they have abilities yeah. and their attitude is, well, I don't need the help. I can handle it. And then, you know, even going on ghost hunts with us, within a couple of ghost hunts, they're beside themselves because they got their home, you know, they've got stuff coming into their house. They don't know why it's coming into their house or in their bedroom at night. 
And it's it's because they, they have been trained to be able to open and close that door. I always tell my students, I say, you know what? It may take us a day, it may take us an hour or whatever to teach you how to open and close that door. But yeah. even if you open it a crack, it's not all going to be nice. Nope, it's not. Say. Especially in a haunting. Nobody calls you over for, you know, ghost recover you know process because their 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 house is filled with great spirits you know what right. i mean right. you've got a problem like you're it, it's a it's a, a hard um you, you're walking into trouble and you don't really know what you what you've got until you get in there a lot of the times oh. you know i always say it's like and i think the paranormal worlds ghost hunting worlds paranormal tv it like attracts people that are really want it to be true, but they're not a hundred percent sure. They don't a hundred percent believe that. So they don't take precautions or they, they do these sort of more provocative things because they want proof right. that it's real, which in my mind is a little bit like chumming the water and then jumping in to see whether sharks are real. Right, right, right. You know what right. I mean? Like, right. yeah, you know, like, okay, that's a really painful way to find out that sharks are real. Let's not do it that way. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, take precautions in a lot of those guys jumping out of the windows, um, paranormal. I don't, um, I'm not saying I know who you mean, but they, I do because yeah. they're from my home. They're from my home state. Um, but, um, you know, the, I think, well, if they had psychics with them or they took, took precautions, some of the, the really good teams do that. They have psychics with them. They take precautions. Right. They're working on actually helping everybody. Like let's help the spirits and you cross over. Let's let, let's help the, um, you know, the people who are living there. It's not like a zoo where we're going to, these are spirits of people some, most of the time, not all the time. And there are other fellow human beings who need help. Let's be, let's have some kindness and compassion and not just try to make good TV. You know what I mean? Um, and I think they kind of, sometimes they go to extremes because it's got to look good on TV. And for the most part, it's, uh -huh, uh -huh. you know, it's slow. It's not always something's happening every second of the day when you're doing paranormal investigations. So anyway, that's my thought. Well, staying about on it. the TV topic, I noticed stuff too. I don't know if you noticed this early on, like, like in the early nineties, you know, when I, well, 19 years ago, when I started doing this, it used to be when you investigated somebody's house, it, uh, it usually turned out to be uncle Bob or grandpa or the, mm -hmm. or the deceased husband. But with the advent of these, of these paranormal shows playing this stuff up, you know, all this, all this demon crap and all this, when people call you now, they don't believe it's, it's, it's their Uncle Bob or whatever. Right away, it's a demon. I, I need a cleansing. I know it's a demon. Yeah. I know it's a demon. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to explain yeah. to people that, you know, we can't just go in and do a cleansing because we need to go out there and figure out what the hell's going on. I mean, who really right. is out there? But that's the yeah. trend I've seen is it went from being Uncle Bob or Aunt Susie or, or, or some family member to it's always a demon. Yeah, I know. It used to like in the medieval ages, it was always a demon, too. You know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. you know, they didn't know how to explain mental illness or physical illness. It was always a demon. And then we went into the age of reason where it was never a demon even though sometimes it might be, you know, and now I think, you know, that paranormal TV, um, it really gets people all, all, you know, anxious about that. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it is most of the time it's, you know, it's something else. It's a residual haunting or, right. um, or it's, it's a human spirit or it's a non-human spirit. That's not a demon. And if, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it is, but you know, let's hope it isn't because that's really a problem. <laughs> That's really an issue, you know, right. and, and I, right. I just think Ouija boards, man, like some of the things, uh, so much trouble happens because of spirit boards or sort of unsafe psychic practices. And uh -huh. if you don't want a demon, like 
don't join a satanic cult. Don't do blood sacrifices. Don't look right. up on the internet how to conjure a demon. Don't do that. Like don't, there's some like common sense. Demons are actually pretty hard to come by and you sort of have to invite them, you know, uh -huh. in. And, um, you know, that's not so true of just the lower astrals that are just around, you know, and, and, the, and these like don't take the Ouija board to the abandoned mental hospital and uh -huh. smoke a lot of weed on Halloween on a full moon. And, you know, like that's good you're there's so many things that are just a setup and some people just don't know like they they don't they they're, they're walking in sort of blind they don't really or they don't quite believe you know right. that they're looking for that sort of thrill you know uh -huh. Uh -huh. um and they they just that's again that's sort of the the, the chumming the water kind of things and it does and it doesn't have to be that way and you know we can do it it's an incredibly powerful service to provide people like um, you know, to really help people that really, really, really need help. Um, uh -huh. And I'm sure, you know, it sounds like that's what your organization does. And, and that's providing an incredibly important, um, you know, healing um, service for people that are desperate and really need help. They really need people who know what they're doing to help them out. So I'm glad you're doing it. It's all about education. You know, people need to learn yeah. that. You know, and yeah. uh, they do. People do make mistakes. I mean, even I, 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 I had a Ouija board as a kid. You know, we, we all. Well, so did I. We all did. I yeah, mean, we all did. We all did, and we didn't know. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times people don't know. And I just my mortified my children by walking up, like, speaking at my kids at school one day, and there were some kids playing with a Ouija board, and I just, I was, I'm like, I'm like, let me, let me tell you about that, <laughs> and my kids were like mom how you're so embarrassing why did you do that you know and i'm like important safety tip like let's not let's because you find it in the toy section of a store oh my Honestly. god yes you yes. know what i mean like so uh, how dangerous could it be if it's in a toy section on a store and and then sometimes it's fine you know it's just not every single time ends in disaster but some of the most gnarly cases i ever had to deal with came from ouija boards and when you talk about them being in a store i was over at barnes and noble I'm going to name it. I don't care. And they actually have a pink one for girls, for little girls. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. The stuff like that. It's just, just like, okay. But see, I mean, yeah. these guys don't believe in that stuff. Or maybe they do. Maybe that's the whole point is these people that manufacture these things. Who knows? You know, like the who movie knows? Damien, right? They were all over the place. <laughs> right. So you don't yeah. know. But, you know, maybe, know. maybe the manufacturer is unaware of, 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 uh, of what they are, what they do. Right. Or is it part of the, the darker conspiracy? Right. You don't, you right. Know, I don't know. To get everybody on the line. Question in the chat room is, and we talked about this a little bit, how do you protect yourself against energy vampires? Mm. You know, I think like learning how to recognize recognize them is really important. I think mm -hmm. it's all about setting boundaries. So setting energetic boundaries, like really working on the outside edge of your bubble, learning mm -hmm. and then learning a lot of ways to say no. And there um to say no. And there's this um technique that I love. It's called the energy close technique. And um to do this you um you can do it sitting or standing, but you kind of stand with your feet together and your knees together. You put your hands together kind of like in a in a prayer position or like uh -huh. this. You put your tongue on the roof of your mouth and then you don't look in their eye. So like you look at their eye, you look at their forehead or you look at their eyebrow and then you don't say much. I've done this. Uh -huh. I've done this all over. I've done it. I met when I met a politician once. I've done it when I was on TV, actually. Um, 
And you're just like, hmm, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. eye contact is a really powerful way for them to get in. And if, and especially if we're sensitive, we're psychic, we, if you're a visual psychic, like I am, we perceive a lot through our eyes. It's a, you know, they say they're the windows to the soul. So eye contact can be a really powerful way somebody gets right into your energy field. So I think it's about knowing a lot of different ways to have boundaries. And some of that is energetic and psychic self-defense. And some of that is lots of really nice ways to say no, you know, like, no, I can't um, talk on the phone. You know, we all have that friend that calls you on the phone, talks for an hour, an hour and a half about the same problems over and over again. They don't do anything to help themselves. They don't really hear what you want to say. They just want to dump all their stuff. And they're like, how are you? Oh, sorry. Got to go. You know, right. And you're like, oh, that's the victim type vampire. Uh And so what we need to do is learn to say, no, I've got 10 minutes. I can talk to you. I have five minutes. I can talk to you. I have 10 minutes. I can talk to you once a month (laughs) or whatever it is, you know, Um, so that we can, you know, we don't just work. So as empaths, we're so kind. We really care. We're such big hearted people. We really want to help. And, and, and yet dealing with that type of energy, you might as well just like cut your, like, cut your wrist and pour that blood right on the sand. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's like a black hole. There's never enough attention you can give somebody like that. Um, they're not really interested in changing they're, They don't really want to hear what you have to say. They don't take steps to change their life. They're sort of enjoying their misery in a way. And if you um, get roped into that, they're just going to take a huge bite out of you. And thanks for that. Bye-bye. I got to go now, you know? Um, so we learn, we need to learn how to say no, how to, how to set boundaries. Um, you can't, I'm not going to talk to you for an hour every day. I'm going to talk to you for 10 minutes once a month or whatever it is, you know, even if it's a relative, even if it's, you know, um, somebody important in your life, we can't always cut these people out of our lives. Totally. What if it's your boss? What if it's your kid? What if it's your parent? Like we need, and in those cases we need, you know, it's really hard in work environments when you're when you're running into these people. Like we want to learn how to set boundaries where we don't get fired, you know, where we can still do our job. And that means practicing a lot of ways to say no and shields on full. Absolutely. Now, you you kind of touched on your abilities. You, you know, every psychic has a different way they, they, they work and they see things. What do you see when, when you're doing a reading? Are you actually seeing, you know, the 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 people that you're reading as far as far as the ghosts go, or do you feel a different way? I, I'm mostly a visual psychic, um, but I get it really on all the channels. You know what I mean? So sometimes I, I feel emotions because I'm an empath. Sometimes I just know stuff. A lot of times I'm hearing a voice inside my head. Um, it's kind of coming on all channels and all at once, you know, because I'm, I've been doing this for, you know, I hate to say it, 40 years you know, now. Um, so, uh, and I'm like, it's 25 years when I really did the math. I was like, Oh, 40 years. Dang. Where'd the time go? Right. So, um, you know, so I'm getting it on all the channels, kind of like a, like a push through my whole system. Um, Mm -hmm. but primarily I'm a visual psychic and it's the most rare. It's the biggest pain in the bum. If you have that one, you kind of often wish you didn't. It can be quite disruptive to be a visual psychic. And what's sad for me is a lot of people feel like they're not psychic because they're not visual. Well, I don't see anything. This happens to me all the time. And they, they, you know, let's say you do guided meditation, you know, for somebody and they're, they're talking to their guides and they're having a lot of experiences, but they dismiss Mm -hmm. it all because they're not seeing anything. Right. 
you might not be because it's the most rare, but you might be feeling things, knowing things, sensing things, hearing things, you know, um, we have so many channels that we're receiving psychic information through that I really don't want anyone to dismiss what they're getting because they don't see. Somehow seeing has become synonymous with psychic and it's not really. Like, let's talk about perceiving. What are you perceiving? What are you experiencing? Because those two words open us up to all of our psychic senses. But, well, I'm, I'm feeling this thing. I'm feeling this pressure in my chest. I'm feeling all this emotion. I'm, I'm just getting this knowing, this sense. You know, I'm just sensing and knowing. I'm hearing something. Wow, there's a lot going on, even if you're not seeing. Yeah, that's one of my philosophies, too, is that when, when I teach, I always tell them that there's no wrong answer. Because they may be picking up something that I'm not picking up, or vice versa, and you know, I don't know about you, but when I get the messages, like I, like you say, I hear them in my head. I hear the voices. I'll just start yep. jotting stuff down, what they're yep. telling me, to try and piece it That's together. That's great. That's automatic writing is such a good way to go. And automatic writing, if you're, especially if you're an auditory psychic, clear audience, um, writing is something that will help you develop that. And here's a really good exercise. For example, let's say you want to talk to dead Uncle Fred. Try getting a picture of Uncle Fred, light a little white candle maybe and a little stick of incense. And you're like, I only want Uncle Fred. Um, and then you write down, I write on my computer because I'm faster than writing longhand. But you can mm -hmm. write longhand and you ask a question. Hey, Uncle Fred, how are you doing over there? And you just start writing down. I like it feels in the beginning like you're making it up. It feels like you're just pretending or it's just your imagination. But if you keep going pretty soon it's uncle Fred is really answering you and you can kind of like look back on it and go, Oh my God, that's just exactly what he would say in the way he would say it. If you're not sure you can get your pendulum out and use your pendulum to, to, to yes or no, yes, no. Was that uncle Fred, you mm -hmm. know, and, and get an answer from your, or muscle testing can be also um, a powerful way to get confirmation. And um, automatic writing is the, probably the best way to strengthen the auditory psychic skill. So that's great that you're doing that. Let me ask you about muscle testing. I've never heard of that. Tell me about it. So muscle testing is a kind of um, way to get a yes, no answer, like a pendulum. And when we, when we work with a pendulum or any dowsing tool, dowsing rods or something like that, we want to get a yes, no, I don't know, you know, question out of it. We can do the same thing with muscle testing. So the way that I learned it is you take your, your pinky finger and your, and your thumb and you kind of squeeze them together. And then you, you take your other hand and you're like, show me yes. So when it's yes for me, it's strong. I can't break it. Show me no. And I, I break it, you know? And so okay. you can check, well, was it Uncle Fred? Yes, it was. You know, was it, well, was it something that I, was it really an angel? Like, what was it? And we can go through a series of questions, mm -hmm. um, you know, and you can do the same thing with a pendulum. But if you don't have a pendulum, you can muscle test. Um, some people sway, like they, if you're standing up, like, moving forward is yes and moving backward is a no energy healers do this a lot when we're asking questions in healing sessions interesting when you talk about the sway yeah. now i have done that in portals you know like mm -hmm. if i'm in the building to see if there's a to yeah. see if there's an opening there to stand where the opening is put put my arms out to my side and see if i'm swaying back and forth from the energy yeah that's great yeah that's really good. You can also use dowsing rods or dowsing right. rods are really good for that or pe even a pendulum. Um, I find the pendulum is a little too small often for a space, uh -huh, uh -huh. but, you know, you can walk through. Um, my, my grandparents were from Vermont. That's where dowsing is from, you know. So, so many people in my neck of the woods um, do um, you work with dowsing rods and you can walk around your space holding the dowsing rods. And when you hit 
our portal, the, you know, they, they open up. Like, <laughs> that's a really cool tool, too. Um, when we talk about getting back to energy vampires, I know there's a lot of people that are out there that are vampires and they don't realize it. For a psychic yes. as yourself and, and, and as sensitive as you are, is it hard for you to go into public places like malls and stuff? Totally. It really it always has been. And I'm better now because I work at it. You know what I mean? So before I go into the mall, before I get on the airplane, before I go to the movie theater, I work it. I sit in my car. I put, I do my ground, clear, protect, shield. Shield's on full. I wear an EMF shield. And and then I take a break if I get halfway through the mall or halfway into Costco and I need a break. I go into the ladies' room. I do it again. I wash my hands and I say, with this water and this soap, I'm washing away energy, any energy that I picked up that does not belong to me. And then I put my shields on full again. Um, I was kind of a science fiction geek when I was a kid. Well, still, I still am, but I was like a Star Wars, you know, Star Trek kind of chick. So like shields, like, you know, like shields on full, Captain. And you imagine that like, you know, thing coming all around you, like that works. We have like the outside edge of our energy field which is usually about arms length out has a boundary layer to it. And uh -huh. it's like, we're inside our own little egg. And for, if you're a sensitive, an empath, th that boundary layer is more like a sponge. That's why they call empaths psychic sponges. And that's great because that's how we get all the psychic information we're getting. That's how we feel what's going on with a person or a, a haunted place that we're dealing with. And the problem with it is we're absorbing all that stuff like halfway through the mall or halfway through Costco, your sponge is full. And when your sponge is full, you hit something called empathic overload. You don't feel good. You leave your body. You have a headache. You get cranky. You get exhausted. You have a meltdown of some kind. You have to go home and take a nap, right? So we mm -hmm. want to avoid um, this empathic overload. That means we can use the power of our imagination, our intention to make the bubble more, to make this more solid to make it something like really like a castle wall, a coconut shell, the, the energy field from Star Trek, you know, whatever it is your image right, you're right. using. And when we, over time, when we do that, we can, we can change our sponge to be something more solid. And that's what non-sensitive people are dealing with all the time. Not, you know, people who are non-empathic, they have a solid boundary between them and the world. And so they're oh. not having the problems we're having. Um, and, it makes us great healers, therapists, counselors, paranormal investigators, psychics, Reiki practitioners, all those things are beautiful and we need some help. Otherwise, we're constantly overwhelmed with other people's energetic goo. I call Absolutely. it energy goo. It's a technical yeah. term. Absolutely. When you're out helping somebody, like, like, like you go to somebody's home to cleanse a house, have you ever had, and I know I've kind of run into this, um, and you hear stories about this, have you ever had an entity lie to you? As far as oh, they do, they lie. They so they lie. Absolutely. You know, and the, the more intelligent they are and the more sort of evil they are, the more they lie, you know. And so there's a certain kind of lower astral entity. I always call them the face changers. And a lot of times newbie psychics get them, you know, like like if you don't really know, like your psychic gifts are just opening up and you don't really know what you're doing and maybe you're doing some unsafe psychic practices, you're likely to connect with these beings from the astral plane. They're not good ones to connect. They're not high level guides. They don't have your best interests at heart and they will often lie. They, they're they like, I'm really Jesus. Oh, yes, I am. Now go kill your family. <laughs> you know, or now like, like whatever, like they're, they, they're, 
they're not, they're not good. So we need to make sure that we're, um, we're reaching above the astral plane, you know, the real angels, the real ascended masters, they're way above there. And we can kind of tell because we'll notice how we feel. We all as humans have the power of discernment. So let's say somebody walks through the door where you are within like 10 seconds, you feel like if it's they're good, they're bad or neutral. We just know we just have that feeling like, Ooh, I don't like that person or that person gives me the heebie jeebies or that person's just meh, meh, normal, neutral, or wow, really vibe with that person. So we don't even have to try to do that. This is just a psychic gift. Every single person on the planet has, and we can do the same thing with spirits. So when you're dealing with spirits, you want to tune in. Is it feel good? Does it feel neutral? Does it feel bad? If it says it's Jesus and it gives you the heebie-jeebies, it's not. Right. You know, if it and we listen to the messages, are the messages uplifting? Are they um, your real guides will never flatter you, make promises to you. They will never um, tell you they're going to fix all your problems. That that's that's another lie that those lower level guides will do like. You know, you're going to win the lottery. You're going to meet a tall, handsome stranger. You're not going to whatever. Like our real guides are helping us, but they're not getting in our lives to fix our problems. Uh -huh. We have free will. We have to do our own work. And um, and then, you know, I always think it's really good to ask new guides to prove who they are. OK, so you're, you're you say you're Archangel Michael. I want proof. Um, I want to see feathers in the next 24 hours. I want to see something that proves to me you're the real deal and a real guide will a real angel a real ascended master will take that time to give you a sign omen or synchronicity or you check with your pendulum you know was that really archangel michael yeah okay good and if it's not then you know the we we have to not fall um victim to these um trickster guides really trickster yeah. spirits that hang out hang around in the astral plane is there like 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 for the Archangel Michael thing? Um, is there a way like like you say to double to, to double check that? But how do you know your double check isn't lying? Well, I think like multiple checks. So does your pendulum say yes? Does your sign does a sign and omen actually happen? You know, and I I've been around somebody who you know like we we're like okay let's see if this is for real and I'm I'm not getting like feathers or like manifesting out of nowhere. We're standing in the middle of like you know, some building somewhere and feathers are just appearing out of nowhere in wherever we were. And how does that happen? Nobody had a down coat on. It was the middle of the summer. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it was a bit actually a bit of a miracle. And I think our real guides are going to take the time to prove to us who we really are. And then so we're checking in with how we feel. We're checking in with our pendulum. We're checking in with signs and signs and omens we're checking in with the quality of the messages we're getting from the guides you know um and all maybe we're getting like more double checks from our friends who are psychic can you just check this one out it doesn't feel quite right to me if it doesn't feel quite right to you it's not just like people you go on a date how long does it take you to figure out it's not good or it's not right it's not in alignment maybe you have to check with your friends and if you do do like whatever it takes, you know what I mean? And eventually we just learn how to, we, that's discernment. Discernment is the ability to tell what's going on, who you're dealing with, uh, you know, what kind of being you're, you're dealing with. Um, and it, it takes time to learn it, but you can. Uh -huh. Which brings me to this question. When I feel them, because I, I can feel them and I, I feel them as a tingle through, through my hands, you know, going up my mm. arms. 
Yeah, I can tell whether it's a man or a woman because a man has a heavier tingle. Interesting. Yeah, cool. Is that a, is that a way that people can feel you know can feel what's around them that way? Or hundred percent. Okay. No, I think that's interesting. I love that you do that. I think people feel all kinds of different things. I feel like the flies walking in my hair feeling, uh -huh. you know, and I feel it like if it's if it's on the right side, it's it's a man. If it's on the left side, it's a woman. Or I I can see them, you know, um, and you know. So I think we all have different physical sensations that we feel. I can always tell if they're stuck too because I'll feel like vertigo. I feel my stomach flip over. I feel that kind of cold, greasy feeling, like somebody threw a bucket of cold water on you. Your hair stands up a little bit on the back of your neck. I get this metallic blood sort of taste in my mouth it's impossible to miss, you know, um, when there's a stuck dead person around. So that's how I feel it. And I think everyone has a, their own feeling. I call those feelings truth signals. So some mm -hmm. people cry, some people get shivers, some people get goosebumps, some people get tingles. We all have something. And that can also be your proof that it's real. You know what I mean? So if you're, you know, if that's also adding up and you're getting your tingles, then you know, for sure, it's a thing. Absolutely. What do you say to someone that wants to start working on their abilities? I think that's great. I think we all should. And I think we need help. We need training. There's this misconception that you're just magically psychic, like without any work, you know what I mean? And that's not true. It's like an ability, like any other ability. That's why my book is called, you know, um, you know, awakening your psychic ability, because it's, it's like any kind of ability. Just like if you had a ton of musical ability or a ton of athletic ability, you'd still have to work it. You'd still have to practice. You'd still have to have a teacher, you know, and to learn things. Yeah, that's it right there. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, and so we, you know, I wanted people to let go of this idea that if you're not magically psychic now, you never can be because that's not true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Man, this hour has blown by. Look at that. We were just chit-chatting so away. That was I know, really so fun. super really fun. fun. I like, I like talking to other psychics because it, it helps yeah. me. It, you know, it helps you. It helps me out too. I love other psychics, and you know, we get to talk. We didn't get this when I was starting out. I didn't have that um, kind of conversation, right. so I love having it. Last question: You're on the strip in Las Vegas, and there's other psychics, you know, on the strip with you. Of course, there are in Vegas. <laughs> Vegas. How do you draw people in to talk with you? Um, like, how do you get clients, you mean? Or yeah. how do you get, how do you yeah, get as far business? As, let's say you got a bunch of people walking the strip that, that, that are having issues with ghosts or, or whatever, and they want to, mm. or get a reading, want, you know, need to talk to a psychic. So how do you draw right. them in as opposed to some other, somebody else drawing them in? You know, I think it's just being really honest, being authentic. Like we send out a vibration, right? So we want to tell our story. We want to share who we are. We want to be really honest, real, authentic. And as we send out that vibration of who we are, it attracts people that want what we have, you know? So me, like this podcast, the podcast you're doing or right. the books that I write or whatever we're doing on our social media marketing thing, we're just being real. We're just being who we really are. And that we leave it to resonance. We leave it to vibration. People are going to be like, oh, wow, I really like her vibe. I really like what she has to say. That's going to work for me, you know? So I think real, the best marketing just comes from deeply being authentic and telling our stories and letting people find us that way. Absolutely. What's next for you? 
Um, well, I have another book coming out in November. Um, it's, yeah. it's a journal, actually a prompted journal called the Psychic Awakening Journal. So um, that's pretty exciting. And um, I'm starting a business class actually in September, in September for, I, I work with people who want to become a pro professional psychic healers because the business stuff is hard. I love entrepreneurship, but not everybody does. So um, my mission in life is to create an army of healers to go out there and save the world. And that means sometimes we need business help. So we do know how to get clients. But, you know, all that stuff's on my website, all the classes I teach. Sure. I teach Reiki online. I have uh, books for sale. I have three books now. Um, so, you know, come and come visit me on my website, lisacampion.com. Leave me a message. Tell me what you need and I'll help you whatever's going on. Fantastic. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. I learned so um, much. Love talking with you. psychics out there and, and it was great. I really Thanks appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me. I enjoyed it so much too. And maybe at some point we'll get you back on down the line. I hope so. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you very much. You have a good rest of your evening. Thanks. You too. Okay. Bye. All right. Yeah. I always learn so much when I talk to other psychics. It's great, you know, because yeah, I ended up having a lot in common with her. So I enjoyed it. Tomorrow we're shifting gears. We'll be back at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be talking with W.T. Watson about the Canadian Sasquatch. We don't hear a lot about that. So we're going to be, we're going to be picking his brain. And he not only deals with Sasquatch stories, he deals with, 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 with dogmen and, and similar creatures. So we're going to have a real nice resounding hour to talk with him. I want to thank everybody for coming. And uh, hopefully the dog settles down because he's, he's very active. Um, I want to thank everyone for coming today because I know it was an early show. I appreciate it. And for those of you who had to listen to this after you got off work, thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all very much. Um, man, my eyes look weird because it's just allergy. I'm just so full of allergy right now. But uh, I want to thank you. Uh, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies as we are opportunity, equal opportunity here at California Health Radio. And as you heard Lisa talk about opening and closing that psychic door, my psychic development class one, which I am teaching on the 5th of August, teaches you just how to do that. It teaches you how, how to open that door, even a crack, and then shut the door so that way nothing bad will come through. And that's the steps you have to take. You have to learn how to open and close that psychic door. So if you're interested in that, be sure to visit the California Haunts Meetup, California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team Meetup. Go to events and sign up for that class because it's, it's really a good class, and you'll, you'll be doing psychic things afterwards. All right? Anyway, if you like what you saw, heard and saw today, please feel free to leave me a thumbs up, a smiley face, hearts, especially if you're on Facebook, do that for me, please, because that puts us up in the algorithms. Everyone knows the algorithm now. That puts us up, up higher in the algorithm, and then Facebook distributes this, this show out even farther. So I'd really appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, be sure to uh, follow, because uh, we've, we're doing shows every day, uh, Sunday through Friday, and sometimes on Saturdays. So we're here all the time, okay? Uh, same thing on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed yet and you, you, you like what you hear, Come on over to YouTube and subscribe on, on the California Haunts page. That's youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts or California Haunts Radio, either one. And you'll get into our YouTube page. 637 videos sitting over there. And they're all different topics, all different topics. So I'm sure there's something that you'll find that you like. Uh, TikTok, we're over on TikTok. So if, if you happen to have a TikTok account, come on over and visit us on TikTok. Twitter, Twitch, um, Instagram, I'm Ghosty Gal. So busy, busy, busy. Anyway, I want to thank you all for coming today. I will see you all tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific with W.T. Watson. Have a great evening.